Welcome to the Raised Evangelical Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie McCown, and I'm joined today by the amazing Carla. How are you, Carla? I'm doing well. Good. Um, you were here with us not that long ago, and now we're here to talk about the endlessly fun the the endlessly fun topic of purity culture. <laughs> are you ready for this? <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> oh, um, you know, it's an important topic to talk about, and I know that sometimes people think it's been talked about to death, but I don't know if people really understand the far-reaching impact growing up in this culture can have on people, and I kind of wanted to explore that um, with my guests over the next few episodes, so thank you for being here and being willing to talk about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um Are you there? Oh, Oh, hi. Okay. Yeah, I just said, sorry. (laughs) I was just saying you're welcome. And then I, I was just, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't say anything else. I just just sounded like I was going to say something else. And then I didn't. (laughs) That's okay. I I do that all the time. Okay. So, um, so we'll just jump right in because there are a lot of things we want to cover in this hour. Um, but realistically, I never keep my episodes to just an hour, and we all know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do want to ask, so how old were you when you first learned about the concept of, quote, purity? You know, um, I think that, again, it's kind of like how I talked about in my previous the previous episode I was on, um, when it comes mm-hmm. to purity it's really similar to um the concept of homosexuality being a sin it was just kind of something Uh that I grew up knowing um I don't have a strong memory of when I first heard about the concept um I Uh do think that um I do remember when I was around the age of probably probably somewhere in between like eight and 12. Um, Mm -hmm. I had these books. um, I think there were, it may have just been one book, but it was, it was at least one book may have been two or three, um, but they were like little workbooks and their Mm -hmm. folk, it was like a Christian, you know, like girls workbook where it talked about, you know, um, your body and um you know it was kind of like sex education but from a kind of an evangelical viewpoint and oh okay um, I don't remember what they were called or anything about them but I do remember mm-hmm. they exist and I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure they had messages of purity culture you know within them um mm-hmm. yeah I can't imagine they didn't <laughs> right um, right so, you know and I don't, I don't think my mom uh would have you know given them to me if I if they didn't so <laughs> they pro- I probably right. it was probably around the age of eight or so that I first started you okay. know hearing these messages um yeah 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 that's what I recall too I was about eight years old and I went through a class it was actually a class designed for much older girls but at that point, my mom knew that uh, <laughs> I was not this dainty, feminine, delicate little girl she wanted me to be. <laughs> and so she was like trying so hard. <laughs> and she had me go through the Christian charm course. And the workbook, we had workbooks too. And it talked about, um, it didn't get into the specifics about our bodies, but there was a very strong message in that curriculum that said that you know a woman's body is it's really not her own it belongs to god and and we need to you know she needs to keep it pure so she can um you know be godly and and didn't you know it didn't get to get into exactly what that meant but you just knew you know (laughs) yeah and there was a lot of i remember there was a lot of shaming in there for um about girls who would date i remember that very clearly in fact when I wrote my book, I actually ordered a used copy of the workbook because I wanted to see, like, am I just imagining these yeah. things? <laughs> no, I, 
no, I was not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah at eight years old. And that just boggles mm-hmm. my mind to think, you know, my son is 11. And even though, you know, he's got a lot of questions and we talk about a lot of things, um, I've tried really hard to avoid the shame factor. And I just couldn't imagine putting that on an eight-year-old kid. But that's what they do in evangelical circles more often than not. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it usually starts pretty young, you know, that type of, you know, which is kind of one of my issues. uh, This is a little bit off topic, but it's related. One of my issues with evangelicalism Mm -hmm. in general is it seems like pretty much the whole theology is put on to children. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think that's that's really age appropriate you know (laughs) there's so much of christian theology that isn't for kids really you know so that's that's just i think an example of a bigger issue i agree with you completely um like when i think back on the things i was taught and even with my son like there have been people who've tried to teach him the same things that i was taught and i've had to step in because i know better now and just say you know he's you know, the time, the first time he learned about hell, he was only four years old. And obviously that didn't come for me. And I had to step in and just be like, you know, he's four. He does not need to have this put on him. Okay. Just let him be a kid. (laughs) Um, But you know, that, that is so typical. And so I think with, with purity culture, yeah, that shame and that, that sense of shame about your own body and about, you know, your natural human longings, it starts very, very Mm -hmm. early. Um, do you remember as you got older, did the message about purity become more clear and about, you know, what kind of messages were you receiving about what purity meant for your future? Yeah. So, um, well, (laughs) uh, (laughs) so for sure it was a message of, um, the biggest thing for, for that, you know, the, I guess the Christian culture that I grew up in was saving sex for marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, I fortunately did not get a lot of the, um, the um, modesty messaging, um, which okay. I appreciated, you know, I, I, I mean, I definitely learned yeah. about modesty and I heard about it, but it wasn't something that like my mom, you know, she never like uh, criticized what I was wearing or anything like that. Um, but there right. was definitely a discussion within, you know, um, m- you know, my family as well as, you know, um, just general Christian culture. And when I would, you know, go to other events and stuff, um, a lot of the purity culture messaging I got um, um, was through other churches because, um, as I kind of explained, I grew up in, um, uh, at a Christian rehab center and it was basically just our family and the men in the program and then some, a few, you know, volunteers. So it wasn't like mm-hmm. we had a really like, you know, normal, I guess, church community, but I would go to, mm-hmm. um, my, um, sometimes I would go to my sister's um, church, my old, my older half sister. Um, she was, I want to say, I think she was like 15 when I was born. So she was a lot older and she actually had a son, um, like 10 months after I was born. So I had a nephew who was around my age. So we kind of grew up like cousins and, um, Mm -hmm. she actually ended up, um, in her adulthood, um, becoming a Southern Baptist. And so, um, she went to, um, a Southern Baptist church and, um, Mm -hmm. they did, they had a yearly like, um, youth conference, um, and that they would get like meet with other churches in, um, Nashville. And, um, I think it might be a conference that's like I don't know if it's just something that just happens in Tennessee or if it's like a national thing I think it might be national and they just go to different cities Um, but it's bad it's through the Southern Baptist Church 
And so okay. um, I got a lot of my evangelical sort of like my youth group teachings from that, from her church and from those um, conferences that I would go to. And mm-hmm. it was very much the stereotypical, you know, um, your body is, um, uh, you know, meant for, you know, uh, only certain things and, and you're not supposed to have sex Mm -hmm. before marriage. Um, no, you know, obviously between a man and a woman is the only Mm -hmm. acceptable, um, uh, partnering and, um, Uh, very much that kind of thing plus you know just um, very stereo what I remember a lot about purity teachings um, and I'll say one other thing I also another youth Mm -hmm. group that I uh, attended temporarily was um, my one of my closest friends in high school who was actually actually one of my old actually my oldest friend we actually met in preschool um so it's kind of cool and we're still you know yeah we still keep up with one another so it's it's pretty neat but she was uh she was also bad southern baptist and um Mm -hmm. she went to one of the like the largest southern baptist church in town she wasn't her family wasn't like super churchy um they didn't go a lot Mm -hmm. but when they were teenagers Mm -hmm. um they went to, uh, well, I mean, like, when she and her brother were teenagers, they went to the youth group on, like, Wednesday nights mm-hmm. or whatever. And so um, there was oh, okay. a time in, in my um, in my youth when I would go to her youth group, and there was also, uh, they, of course, separated the boys from the girls because mm-hmm. – for some reason, you have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That me about evangelicalism. But anyway, so they yeah. separate you know, boys' <laughs> classes, girls' classes. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, it, the, of course, there were other, le- there were different lessons and things. But the majority of it was mm-hmm. purity culture. That was the majority yeah. of it. And we talked about, you know, um, saving our bodies for marriage and all that kind of thing. And so anyway... Mm-hmm. all that to say um you know I got that message and then I, uh, another b- big part of it that I remember is this very stereotypical mm-hmm. um um gender role type teaching yes so it, it yes. was very much this idea that um girls wanted love and emotional connection and Mm -hmm. boys wanted sex and physical connection and boys Mm -hmm. were the ones that struggled with lust girls didn't Mm, struggle with lust that's what we were taught you know that that was at the very least it was implied you know because we would you know we would hear you know lust is a sin um you know but we wouldn't really it wasn't discussed that much um right and so I end up feeling like you know um the black sheep or like you know Mm -hmm. the um goose in the game of duck duck goose like (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I hear you yeah because I I've always had like a pretty high libido and I actually you know I went through puberty fairly early and so mm-hmm. it always just made me feel weird and like I wasn't yeah. um, like other girls or something because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, obviously there was the, there was the fact that I'm bisexual. Um, right. And that also made me feel different and weird and everything. But yeah. um, even if I weren't, bisexual I would have still felt that way because I do and I always have had kind of a high libido like I always have had you know a lot of um you know crushes and Mm sexual sexual curiosity and you know things like that and so but I was being fed this messaging that oh you know 
girls aren't like that. Girls just want the love right. or whatever. So there's very, it, it, it's a very, um, uh, it relies on a lot of stereotypes. And, you know, the older I've gotten, <laughs> the more I've realized that, okay, sexual uh, libido varies mm-hmm. among men and women. And there's no, you know, (laughs) there's lots of other, Mm -hmm. you know, girls and women that have high libido and there's men that have low libido. So, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not a one size fits all system. Um, Right. But that was something that really affected me and, and, and really challenged me and made me feel like I was like, you know, cause when you're, when you grow up and you hear these messages from, you know, somebody that you trust and um, these authority figures, you know, you just take it as what's true. And so I was like, well, these, what they're describing must be the majority of people. And I'm just a weirdo, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was something that that really affected me. Yeah. I remember that message too. And I was a lot like you in that I always had a pretty decent sex drive, you know, you know, the, the, the cravings were there from a fairly early age. And I always felt like there must be something. I remember thinking, you know, because I grew up in an assembly of God church, I remember thinking that I must be under some kind of demonic influence because girls aren't supposed to feel this way. This is a guy thing. And I remember being so concerned about it. um, I would have nightmares that I was being chased by like these demons, you know, and because I felt such incredible guilt for um, having sexual urges. Yeah. Because I was told that I wasn't supposed to. And I often think back on that and I think about people who've come through that and just how much that message that guys are basically nothing more than their sex drive and girls are not supposed to have a sex drive. But at the same time, we were also kind of put in charge of managing the guy's sex drive by what we wear, how we behave and so forth. I mean, it's a very strange message to put on you know it's a it's a strange burden to put on a young person at all and then for that to be so normalized I I often think you know of the long-term impact that had to have on people which is one of the reasons I wanted to do these episodes is because I mean this stuff is it's it's such a toxic message (laughs) but and you know even now um you know, as I'm learning that people do have, as you said, there's variance in people's libido and you can't assume that all guys are, I was always, we were always told men are turned on by what they see mm-hmm. and women are turned on by what they feel emotionally, yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but those are all assumptions. People are turned on by all different things. Yeah. And yeah, there is no one size fits all. Um when you were a teenager, I mean, at that time, did you know already that you were bisexual or did you suspect it? Yes. Um, I knew um, pretty young, uh, actually, that I was um, mm-hmm. attracted to both, you know, um, girls and guys. Um, mm-hmm. And. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really know that, like, um like I didn't, I wouldn't have labeled myself bisexual at that point, um, mm-hmm. just because. Like I knew the label existed, but I was just, I saw it as yeah. a label that you would take on if you were like, you know, it was something you were proud of, you know, or something that you yeah. um, felt good about. And I didn't feel that way yeah. about it, um, you know, mm-hmm. because of the anti-homosexuality teachings um that I grew up Mm -hmm. with so it wasn't really um yeah it just it it was just something that I knew um and I just tried to suppress it and ignore it basically Mm -hmm. um but it definitely caused me extra stress because you know um not only did I have to worry about the you know all the purity teachings that 
or stressful enough, mm-hmm. even if you're a straight girl, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> but then you have yep. to also worry about all the teachings of you know, um, you know, anti homosexuality and mm-hmm. that you know, marriage is only between a man and woman. The sex should only be right. between a man and woman. You should only be attracted to men. So it was kind mm-hmm. of like I was like you know had the. I had to deal with both of them, all of it. Right. <laughs> Which right. Was, I mean, it was a lot of stress to put on, you know, a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. And and that's such a, I mean, among people like you and me and others who, who either didn't know till later in life that they were queer in some fashion or they weren't allowed to be open about it. Um, I mean, purity culture was so difficult because, you know, like I didn't understand until I was in my 40s that I'm actually bisexual. But when I was a teenager, I knew I wasn't what I was supposed to be. I didn't know what, it, what I was because I had no language to, you know, to help me understand it. We just didn't talk about that. We, the only, and probably it was, it's similar with a lot of people. The only way we talked about the, quote, gay community or the gays was in the most negative light possible. So when you're not giving a, given a healthy language to help you process what you're feeling and you, and all you know is that if you don't fit into this very specific mold of what a girl should be, then you're quote an abomination. Um, it doesn't really encourage you to want to explore that too much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but it's weird. Cause my, my best friend at the time, she went to high or she went to the same church I did and grew up, you know, at least in that regard and in similar ways to me, but she knew, and she kept trying to tell me, she's like, you're not straight. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what are you talking about? Like she would give me these books and movies and stuff, just, you know, about girls coming to, coming to understand their sexuality and understand that they're, you know, lesbian or bisexual or something. And she would give me these books and movies and just like trying to tell me like, Stephanie, come on, (laughs) really? You don't see this. (laughs) I mean, I was really like really slow on the uptake by about 30 years. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, I see it now. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It is, it is, it is interesting <laughs> how sometimes other people know before, the, you know, yeah. that they get a sense of, of who a person is or whatever. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It is. Because, like, when you look back, like, when I look back, I'm like, oh, you know what? I see what she saw right. now. <laughs> you know, it's like, you can see that it was just plain yeah. as day. But at the time, it's like, what are you talking about? I'm straight. I'm straight as can be. I'm shockingly yeah. straight. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you know, that's just how it is. I think, I think that probably happens a lot with people who grew up evangelical and especially what they were, if they were heavily dosed with purity culture, right. even straight people, you know, um, when you're not, cause even straight people aren't really encouraged to explore their sexuality yeah. at all. It's just, you know, except that you're straight. And if you just follow all the rules and do everything right, when you get married, everything's going to be great. And that has, that so often proves to not be the case, but um, I can't, I mean, I, I tried for a really long time to um, be what I, what I was told I needed to be. And I did get married. And what I realized was the hangups that I had about sex and sexuality weren't fixed just because I got married, right. <laughs> you know, um, if you haven't been encouraged to, to understand your sexuality in, in any way, then getting a ring on your finger and saying vows doesn't suddenly make everything no, make sense. not at all. You know? <laughs> no, not at all. And, you know, when I, when I got married, um, I was not a virgin. I had had sex before and I felt so guilty about it that, um, I thought that was why I got cancer and stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, God's punishing me because I wasn't pure. So then I decided, well, if I start dating again, you know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to keep this relationship pure, which meant I ended up marrying somebody that I absolutely should not have married. So, you know, there's so, so much fallout, but okay. So 
back to you. <laughs> I kind of took it there no, for a second there. Sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> um, so, okay. So you grew up in this culture. You knew what you were quote supposed to be. You knew you were not that. Mm-hmm. Um, go as you grew and in, in, in became an adult and you started, you know, carving out a life for yourself. How did all of that stuff that you learned as a, as a child and then as a teenager impact you as you became an adult? Okay, so, (laughs) oh man, there was a lot of impact. Um, So another thing that I should mention is that I was um, uh, sexually molested um, as a child. And so the combination of molestation with purity culture um, equals like a ton of guilt and shame. Um, about Mm. anything sexual so Mm -hmm. I really um, you know pretty much everything sexual to me felt shameful Um, and um, because of that I like had no sense of like so I guess the best way to describe it is just that like there was no way for me to really separate like healthy sex and sexuality with bad decisions Mm -hmm. because yeah, I, it all just felt shameful to me. So, um, and because I wasn't the type of person that could, um, avoid, um, sex and, and sexual activity, Mm -hmm you know, I ended up making bad Mm -hmm. decisions, essentially, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that you can go two routes there, you know, if you're the type of person who has, you know, maybe you don't have as, as high of a sex drive, you know, you can kind of go down that path of just like cutting off your sexuality altogether. But because I did Mm -hmm. have that higher drive, I wasn't able to do that. Mm -hmm. So basically, like, I just went down this road of like, you know, um, not, uh, you know, not thinking because I wasn't able to feel how, you know, okay, well, this, you know, experimenting in this way might be, you know, good and healthy for me. But doing mm-hmm. it this way is probably not a good idea. But I wasn't, again, I wasn't able to separate those because it all just felt shameful right. for me. So, um, mm. and that's one of my, that's kind of a theory that I have. I don't know. It may not be true, but that's one of my theories as to mm-hmm. why, you know, we do see a lot of sexual abuse in, um, in evangelicalism and some other forms mm-hmm. of, um, conservative Christianity, um, Mm -hmm. because it is hard for people to separate that out. And that's not to excuse abusers. Um, but I think it, it does help to kind of explain things a little bit. I think that's a sound theory and I thought the same myself. Yeah. Yeah. When you're not given a healthy way to identify, you know, healthy sexual activity versus what's harmful and abusive. I mean, and abusers are predators. So that's, you know, they, they find a home in, in these conservative right. circles because, you know, especially girls are taught submission and they're also taught that once you've had sex, you're damaged. I mean, there's a whole lot that goes on there that just makes um, people very, very uh, primed for abuse and to not be able to recognize it. So I agree with you. I think that's a, I mean, I don't know if that's been proven, (laughs) but having grown up in that culture and having, you know, the experiences that you and I and so many others have had, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically what I did was, you know, I I mean, I I did a few different things, but I'll just give you a few examples. Mm -hmm. Like, um, near the end of my um, college um, education, I started talking to a person online um, within like, cause I was interested in kind of, you know, um, well, I've always had, you know, an interest in sort of like kinky things. 
And so mm-hmm. um, I was talking to somebody on one of these websites um, who, you know, was had some of the same type of interest. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he tells me that he's married. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. the right choice in that situation is, okay okay goodbye (laughs) you know (laughs) right right Um, I didn't um make that choice I had to continue to talk to this person and we actually you know Mm -hmm. we met up um a few different times um Mm -hmm. and we you know had different sexual you know we did different sexual activities together and like um uh we didn't have we didn't like have intercourse, but we did other things. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I felt terrible about it. Um, Mm. (laughs) um, Yeah. And eventually I did cut him off. um, Yeah. But, you know, it was just, it was things like that. It was just, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't thinking, I wasn't processing. And, Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways it was just like, you know, it was just hard for me to just, I didn't have anyone to talk to really. I didn't have anyone to, um, to hash out these things with. And so it was just, it was just hard. It was just really hard. And so anyway, um, what ended up happening is I ended up getting into a relationship, um, with my current partner and, Mm -hmm. um, she, um, uh, you know, now we've been together for five years, but at, you know, at the beginning of our relationship, I had a lot of, um, like desire to cheat. And it wasn't that Mm -hmm. I didn't, it wasn't like I didn't have a good relationship, but it was just, Mm -hmm. I just, had this desire to like have more you know and yeah and I will say real quick that um some people are polyamorous and that works for some people um mm-hmm. but that's not what I chose and that's you know the of course yeah. the correct answer is if that's something that I wanted then I you know break up with that person and find somebody that's interested right. in polyamory. Cause my, my partner is definitely not. <laughs> um, yeah. Very yeah. And, and so anyway, so, but I wanted this, I, I like wanted both the best of both worlds. Like I wanted to, to be with her, but also, you know, do other things and explore yeah. and whatever. And, you know, and mm-hmm. in some ways I think a part of that was because I didn't get to do a lot of, exploration like I did some exploration you know in my teen years yeah and during college but I didn't get to do as much you know as I probably as I would have if I hadn't been immersed in purity culture and so Mm -hmm. you know I kind of had this sense of like well I didn't and you know because it wasn't long after college that I got into this relationship and so right I was like you know I felt like I was missing out and you know all this kind of thing so what ended up happening <clears throat> is I actually ended up in a um, 12-step program for um, sex addicts. And okay. um, I actually went, th- I got a sponsor in the program. I went through the 12 steps and mm-hmm. it really, really helped. That was the first step in me like beginning to really heal um, from purity culture and really, um, figure out what sex means to me and how I want to live my life. Um, Mm -hmm. and so it it basically, um, you know, uh, it helped me, the program that I went through, it's very much a, what, what I like about it. excuse me um Mm -hmm. is that it 
separate it it allows each person to define their own sobriety um Mm -hmm. so it's not like um aa where you just give up alcohol completely it's um Mm -hmm. it it allows each person to define what um what is you know addictive or harmful for them and what Mm -hmm. um is something that is you know good for them and everybody kind of has their own um their own definition of sobriety um which Mm -hmm. is great I think um not every I will say not every sex addiction program is like that um Mm. some sex addiction programs define sobriety for you and they are you know kind of evangelical based or Christian based or you know Catholic based and so they they -hmm. define it as sex between um a man and a woman in a marriage Mm. so that's that's a thing to watch out for you know if if any listeners you know interested in that or for themselves or someone else or whatever um some programs do allow you to find your own sobriety some programs don't so anyway Mm -hmm. so um being able to define my own sobriety and go through the the steps and work with a sponsor kind of helped me to develop my sexual ethic and okay, it yeah. also um, helped me to realize, you know, and, to, and first of all, before I move on, it's a sexual ethic, you know, I feel like that's so important. And I feel like that's the exact opposite of what purity culture does, because it yes. doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> allow you to have that freedom to come up with what yeah. your ethics are. There's no discussion of consent. There's no discussion of, mm-hmm. you know, um, wh- sort of the reasons behind even their own things that they recommend. It's just like we do this right. because God tells us it's the way to be holy. But mm-hmm. sex is so much more complicated than that. Exactly. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah. So that helped. And then the second thing that um, the program really helped me with was um, being able to um, being able to sit down with my bad feelings, like, um, and sort of like learn to just to accept them as they were and not feel like I had to act on them. Um, because mm-hmm. that's something that I struggle with mm-hmm. is that, you know, if I feel sad or lonely or um, stressed out, you know, I want to medicate that with like, mm-hmm. you know, s- sex or food, mm-hmm. you know. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, um, being yeah. able to s- learn how to sit with those feelings and realize that they're not g- going to be there forever, that eventually it will pass. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. to find something um, positive that I can do, like a positive coping mechanism um, mm-hmm. that's not going to, like, be unhealthy for me is really, mm-hmm. um, it, the program helped me with that, too. So it was yeah. really good. And then, you know, um, the other thing that's helped me, that helped me is, you know, um leaving evangelicalism obviously and um becoming a a progressive christian um i've you know again i've i've realized that there are christians out there that don't preach purity culture like they don't focus on those things you know um Mm -hmm. there are materials they're actually you know in, in some denominations they have you know um materials for kids and youth that are actually like not um uh soaked in purity culture so like oh, wow um it's it's been really it's been really eye-opening and to me to know that you know like again kind of with the same as with you know having a relationship with a woman I can mm-hmm. do this I can be myself you know, I don't have to fit into this small little box of what is supposedly holy and righteous. And mm-hmm. I can still, you know, call myself a Christian or a follower of Jesus. Like, you know, so yeah. I think that um, that's that's been really important for me um, as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, now I would say that um, 
I've, I've had a lot of healing, but I would say that I'm still on the journey um, mm-hmm. because I still struggle with, you know, um, just, you know, feeling completely comfortable during sex and um, dealing with the, sh- with the shame. Um, it still comes up every now and then. It's not, it's not constant like it used to be. Um, but it's still something that I have to deal with. And what's helping me right now is, um, therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm in therapy and my um, partner is also seeing, she sees the same, sorry, excuse me, the same (laughs) therapist. And then we also do couples therapy, um, with that therapist. So that's really helped us as a couple with our, you know, um, with issues of sex in our relationship and also just as individuals with our own, Mm -hmm. um, issues that we bring to the table, you know? And so I would, you know, and I'll, obviously I'll talk about that later, but I, you know, I would, I would highly recommend, um, therapy for anyone who's had, purity culture and feels like they're still being affected by it in some ways mm-hmm. yeah it could, I mean that those purity culture teachings get in so deep and because it's about so much more than sex with purity culture yeah. um, it's about sex and it's about a lot more than that because if you violate the standards that you were given by purity culture then it means that you're you're damaged you're trash you're less than somehow right and um you know, it's amazing how even as adults who have had relationships and who in so many other ways have moved on, that one element of that evangelical upbringing can hold on so tightly. Um, sometimes I get angry about it because I think, who, who did these people think they were to mess with the most intimate aspects of who a person is yeah. and think that it was their place to govern that? Yeah. You know, Um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's wild to think about. I mean, because again, I think about my son and some of the conversations we have had, and it would have been so easy for me to give him these very strict parameters on what's acceptable and what's not regarding his sexuality and so forth. But I think, why would I want to do that to him? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I do think that people acted with good intentions. You know, in their minds, they probably thought they were just protecting us from. Um, you know, being hurt or something, but, you know, I think if you, if you teach your children well, and you teach them about consent, and you teach them about respect for their own bodies, um, respect for other people's boundaries, you know, their emotional boundaries and so forth, and you teach just good, a good sexual ethic about sexual, you know, sexual health, consent, and so forth. I think that you can trust that your kids will make the right decisions when they're old enough to start doing those things, when they start you know, having relationships and so forth. I mean, there's just, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point, if somebody's just coming out of evangelicalism and they're starting to realize the damage that purity culture may have done to them, even if they did, even if they did everything right, purity culture still leaves a mark. What would you say to them? You know, um, you know, I I would definitely say, um, be patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to take time, um, and some, internal work um whether that's by yourself or through some sort of you know um program or um some you know seeing a therapist it's going to take some time and some internal work to mm-hmm. heal from these things and i think mm-hmm. that um you know for me i'm i'm one of those types of people where i I don't like it. I don't like things that take time. I'm not patient. Yeah. I'm not patient. Yeah. It's not a virtue that I have. Um, no. And so, <laughs> and so. I'm the same. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, like, you know, I've really struggled um, 
with um with how long it's taken me to heal from mm-hmm. these things because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it, it I, you know, I tell myself it shouldn't be this hard. It's just, you know, whatever. But I, I think mm-hmm. that we have to realize that kind of like you said, it's more than just sex. It's spiritual yeah. culture is this teaching that's a huge um it's basically like giving everyone a formula for how their life should go and that the likelihood of you know people fitting into that formula is really low and so Mm -hmm. you know which is one of the things like you know going back to you know the way I was raised like both of my sisters um got pregnant when they were teenagers and Mm -hmm. um you know, multiple, I, I think every woman in my family had sex before me. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I was still taught that that was, that I should wait till marriage. <laughs> so it's like, mm. it's That's like, wild, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's this expectation of this is the best, yeah. this is the holiest way to be, mm-hmm. but Mm-hmm. it's you know even <laughs> it's it's so hard to obtain you know it's almost yeah. it's almost impossible to obtain and so yeah. you know and even if and like you said even for those people who are able to wait they get they mm-hmm. they're taught that whatever there's nothing more after there's no more teaching of like you know how do you have a good sexual relationship within a marriage it's just like oh you waited right. you were pure you're going to be blessed with a good marriage and then there you know that's the likelihood of that happening is also Mm -hmm. you know low and so Mm -hmm. you know there's so many people who don't have good marriages after waiting you know both the man and the woman will wait and they'll still have you know sexual issues or emotional problems or whatever and so Mm -hmm. it's just it's really sad and frustrating to me that we're still teaching this, but, you know, to go back to advice, you know, is just, you know, that's, remember that how, realize that it's, it's that way for everyone. It's, it's, yeah. it's unattainable for the majority of people. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the way that it's taught is unattainable for the majority of people. And so there's yep. no reason, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you weren't able to maintain it. And there's mm-hmm. nothing to be ashamed of if you still have, um, you still struggle with your sex, with sex or sexuality after leaving um, mm-hmm. purity culture and evangelicalism. Like you're, go- you're, it's going to be a process basically. Yep. Yep. And, you know, the other, the other yeah. thing I would say is, it's kind of similar. It's just, you know, you don't have to fit into any box. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's no, you know, there's no box for that you have to fit into when it comes to sex and sexuality. And, right. um, you know, some people, like I said, some people have a really high libido. Some people have a low, lower libido. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are attracted to, you know, multiple genders. Some people are only attracted Mm -hmm. to, you know, one gender. Some people Mm -hmm. are gay. Some people are straight. Like, you know, there's so many different ways of, of being, you know, sometimes some people um, do polyamory. Some people do monogamy and um, there are happy people in, in both of, in all of those situations. Yes. So, yeah. It's just a, it's just the process of, of figuring out what's going to work for you. And, you know, if you're in a committed relationship, what's going to work for you and your partner, um, right. it's going to make you, um, happy and healthy. You know, that should be mm-hmm. the goal is happy and healthy. Um, yes, <laughs> it should be. It should be. Um, and I think there's so much power that comes from understanding that any, of those situations is fine right? because um, you know, when I first left evangelicalism and sometimes even now still, 
I sometimes find myself thinking, I wish I was someone who could just have sex with another person and then move on. You know, it was just something I did. I'm just not wired that way. And it's only been within the last year or so that, you know, I've started to understand that that's okay. It's okay that I need to feel an emotional connection with someone before I'm even attracted to them, Right. you know, let alone having a sexual relationship. And, and I think sometimes, um, because there is, you know, in all aspects of our culture, there is a lot of emphasis now on being more sexually, you know, free and, and less concerned with emotional impact and so forth. But you have to be mindful of what works for you. Right. And, and if you're with someone, what works for you and your partner? Um, and that, you know, it's okay if you're somebody that needs that emotional connection. That's mm-hmm. fine. And it's, you know, it seems like such a small thing, but it took time to understand that because I thought for a while that my need for that emotional connection before I even want to have sex with someone probably was a residual effect of purity culture. And it's only as I started to understand all the different sexualities out there that I understood, oh, wait, no, this is a thing yeah. and it's normal, <laughs> right. you know. There are lots of people that feel this way Mm -hmm. and it's fine. Right. You know, it it doesn't mean I'm broken. Right. You know, it's just how I'm wired. Yeah. Um, It's very empowering to explore, you know, because I like, like so many people, I just never, I knew I was never going to be what they wanted me to be, but I didn't know what I was. And there's something so freeing, even if you're straight to just explore to understand the other sexualities that are out there, because then I think when you understand that there are so many different sexual identities out there, you know, people identify in so many different ways. Um, I think that alone can, can do wonders in liberating people from purity culture teaching, because we were taught a very rigid message. There is only one right way for relationships. It is all very heteronormative and it's very freeing to understand that for people who didn't grow up that way um, and didn't have that heavy emphasis in their culture on these heterosexual relationships and those being the only valid relationships out there, uh, you know, that, that pressure just wasn't there, you know? Right. And it's liberating to see that the rest of the world carried on. <laughs> Even when we were stuck in that, and when you come out of that, that purity culture cesspool, there's a whole world waiting for you and, and, and you, you, for you. And it's, it's something so simple that it it blows my mind because it's something so simple that everybody else did, (laughs) but you know, we're like in our thirties and forties and just figuring this stuff out. I mean, I laugh about it, but at the same time, it can be really frustrating because it's like, this is stuff that we should have been able to figure out when we were a lot younger, mm-hmm. you know, but it is what it is. I mean, you know, at least there's the opportunity now to come away from that and grow in your understanding of yourself and your understanding of people and sexualities and gender identities and so forth for everyone. Right. I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually, um, I did just real quick want to mention like, um, yep. Cause it is something I feel like, I feel like the more I mention it, the more I'll, um, like the more I'll work on it. Um, because okay. I'm, I'm a terrible procrastinator. Um, but I mm-hmm. am actually, um, currently working on a memoir. Um, <gasps> oh, how exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually, um, going to be ba- focused on like, um, sex and sexuality and my journey um in that um not just like it's definitely going to touch on purity culture it's not going to be that's not going to be the only focus um but Mm -hmm. it's it's gonna it's definitely going to talk about purity culture and um um just basically my how I've my journey from being you know ashamed and to being very um or not very, but much, much more open about my sexuality and sex and things like yeah. that and more um, sex positive. So that's yes. a project that I'm, I'm hoping that I will, <laughs> that I will eventually finish, <laughs> but I did just want to mm-hmm. mention that. 
That's awesome. And that's going to be a great book because, you know, growing up in a conservative culture of any kind, it doesn't even have to be evangelicalism. I think any fundamentalist culture that a person grows up in that teaches them to be ashamed of anything but uh, heterosexuality. To go from that to being someone who's sex positive and who understands different sexuality. I mean, that's a huge, a huge transformation. And um, I'm sure the process itself was huge, you know, and took, you know, it had to have been years of, well, as you, as you mentioned earlier in the broadcast, just years of different experiences, some great, some not, um, it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And when, it, when you finish it, cause you will, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love it if you came back on and talked yeah, about it, I would love but now, to do that when I, you know, when I'm fur- further along and everything we can, I would yeah. love to come back on and talk more about it. Um, then, yeah. Yeah. I love when people tell their stories because, you know, sometimes I think, especially with something like purity culture, that does get talked about a lot. Right. Um, I think we, we kind of think, well, it's all been said, you know, my story is not going to add anything to it, but it will. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I wrote my book and I, I put it out there, I thought it's just going to be one more on a pile of dozens of other, if not hundreds of other books about people who came out of evangelicalism, but it's a story I need to tell. And I started getting feedback from people who, for whatever reason, had not read those books um, or had not read other authors who had that experience. And it was a story that they needed to hear. So never, you know, this is for you and for anyone listening. If you have a story that you want to tell, don't assume that because it's similar to what someone else might have been through, that it's not worth telling because there are experiences we all have that are unique to us and to our perspectives and someone out there needs to hear it. They need to know that they're not alone and what they're feeling is normal. And there is something on the other side of trauma. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, you know, it's like, you know, um, you know, it's like, we love, we love to read, you know, well, I won't say love. That's not the, Best word, but like, you know, memoirs about, um, you know, um, the Holocaust, I think, you know, that Mm -hmm. there's so, there's a lot of them, (laughs) but they're Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. different. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an, when something is an important story, like, you know, it's, there's going to be an individual take. Everybody has their own experiences. Yep. And I enjoy reading all the different experiences um, because, you know, so many of our stories are similar, but they're so very different, right. you know, so I'm glad you're writing a book and I'm excited <laughs> for it. And um, now you've put it out yes. there <laughs> no, and people are going to be like, wanted to try to mention it to people just so that it, it, it caught, <laughs> so people will be like, how's it going? And then I, you know, I can yeah. actually work on it, not procrastinate. <laughs> Yeah, I think once you like you'll hit at least this is what happened with me. I mean, you hit a groove and it's it's just right and it just starts flowing and you just want to write and write and write and write and write. And I hope that happens for you, because once I hit that groove, um, I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and got it done. But prior to that, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm kind of working on one. Cause people would say to me, so are you writing a book? I'm like, sure. Of course I, have. <laughs> <Right. When> I, <laughs> I hadn't done a thing or I'd written just a paragraph. Of course I'm writing yeah. a book. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, well, before we go, is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, not really. Um, you can, um, again, you can find me on Facebook, um, Carla with a K lot, L O T T, um, Carla dot bug on Instagram and at ladybug K L, um, on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, just that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. You can, um, tweet to Carla. How's the book going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, it has been great having you and you're welcome back anytime. I love talking to you. Um, And thanks for sharing all of this. I know that sometimes these can get into some pretty heavy topics. So I appreciate you being so open. Well, thank you for the opportunity.
Yep. And um, everyone out there, thank you for listening and go forward empowered and know that you are in charge of your life and you are loved.